This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm laughing because... Um, I'm thinking back to when we talked about like one day we'll have podcasts and we'll be on each other's podcasts and how long ago that was. And now we are here. Here we are. All the beautiful life that has happened in between. Out of our dining rooms and being stuck inside and pretending to have shows and being now on real shows. Yes, exactly. So I'm here today, you guys, with Lauren Courtney. She is one of my nearest, dearest, best friends. I don't remember life before Lauren. Um, Lauren Courtney is an energy healer, spiritual coach, holistic health coach, and founder of Lauren Courtney Heals. She's a native New Yorker who found her way to Miami with the death of her first love awakened her mediumship, a mediumship and sent her on a spiritual journey. She has been practicing Eastern studies for 10 years and is a Holy Fire Reiki Karuna, sorry, Karuna Reiki master, holistic health coach, certified in integrated energy therapy, sound healing, timeline therapy, and Lauren uses Reiki, sound, IET, and Kundalini, as well as sacred rituals, bodywork, breathwork, NLP, and energetic transmission to bring her students into deeper relationship with their authentic selves. And all of that I can vouch for is 100% true. She believes we are all entitled to a life filled with love, laughter, and joy. So thank you so much for doing all of that work that you do, for constantly re-educating yourself and immersing yourself in the work that you study and practice because it not only saves your clients' lives, but it impacts your friends and family all around you. And as a friend, I adore you and admire you for that. And I'm so grateful. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Hearing it back sometimes, I'm like, wow, when did I have all the time to do all of that? I'm still so young. I'm like 21, right? And you Um, did all this in like the last four years. Yeah, the the last (laughs) seven. The last last, like time, but it's been fast over the last five for sure. It's been fast since getting to Miami, even more so, and meeting you and, uh, our lives intertwining in the way that they have. So just as much as you thank me for doing the work, I thank you for doing the work. (laughs) Thank you. And you know, I was thinking about yesterday and today, actually, should I start recording these intros before people arrive so we can just dip into the conversation and they don't have to hear me reading something and I don't have to read it awkwardly in front of them. But I thought, no, like I think people deserve to hear these words reflected back to them and all the work that they do and all the studies that they've dedicated themselves to. And obviously this podcast is called Rebellious Reinvention. So it's like, what better way to take the listener through that journey as well as reflect it back to just allow the the person I'm working, you know, interviewing and talking to to feel that power and to own that, right? Yeah, and to like remind so themselves true. like they're not in a fucking box. It's so, so. true because I don't take the time. Recently I've been doing um some writing. So I've been reworking my bio and looking back on the last 10, 15 years of my journey and my reinventions that I've gone through. Um 
but we don't take the time. So often we don't take the time to simply slow down, pause and honor like, Hey, I'm not where I was last week, last year, last month. I'm, I'm where I dreamt of being and somewhere I also never even dreamt of being. You remember so. during COVID times how we would just like change our bio like every week. Every time we had a new iteration of ourselves, we would change our Instagram bio. And it would like, it was like a manifestation process. We're like calling in new clients, change the bio. Want to be seen as something different, change the bio. Embodying something new in my personal life, change the bio. And it like fucking worked every time. It was amazing. I'm still changing the bio. Like I'm still always, always changing the bio because I'm forever changing what I was doing even yesterday I'm not doing today um and I think that's one of my favorite things that you were doing for a while too you were like oh people come to me and have me rewrite their bios it's a one-on-one 30-minute session that I now offer like of course you, you know do. what I should I should fucking bring that back just you for should fun bring because it back. it's one of my favorite things I should have that you guys, if you're listening to this, I will add this in the show get notes. Your, get your vision bios. We It's a get very simple bios. offer. Vision bios, 30 minutes, $333. There you go. Sold. There you go. <laughs> Maybe I'll do like on Instagram raffle. Remember those. Um, Shocking that I just came up with a new business plan. <laughs> Shocking. Okay, you guys, this is like what Lauren and I used to do together. It's hysterical. We'd we'd go, let's co-work, and we'd go to each other's houses. I don't know what the fuck we would write. We would literally write like a program in a day and write each other's bios. Launched by the weekend. Well, you did that. I just... Yeah. wrote programs and stacked them and helped you write programs and watch you stack them. I don't know. I never got out of, like out the gate with my all those program ideas I had, but you had quite a few um, that came to life. Oh, I did. But I, I mean, mean we, had were, our, we even had our online retreat that's still so fondly remembered retreat from the me. early COVID days. Week three of COVID. <laughs> when our 12 friends retreated with us online. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it was a amazing. great weekend. We'll bring that back. If anyone wants to retreat with us online, you let us know. Link in the show notes. <laughs> um, so it's just hysterical to think back to like all these days and these things that we've done. And oh my God. one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is to just talk about that and your journey. Like, because when I met you, I met you in the what we were commonly, you know, Beautiful. I don't know. How do you say that? Lovingly referred to as the unicorner mm-hmm. because you had a unicorn pin, pen that you wrote with. Was, mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Is that how it came from? And I don't remember loved... what it was that was in that corner, why it became unicorn. I think it was just because it was weed. Well, like, no, there was, I think there was a unicorn pen or statue and you were like, this is the unicorner. <laughs> and you were like dying laughing. And I was dying laughing with you guys. I don't smoke cannabis. So like I, but I'm highly entertained and I, I love the plant. Like I will burn it just to smell it. I will go in Gabe's stash and just, <laughs> I love it. I enjoy it. I have, I have a tattoo of weed on my arm from when I used to sell weed. It says, half ounce of OG Kush and it's in a white paper bag and it has wings, you guys. Like I am an admirer of the cannabis because cannabis gives you wings. So Lauren is in her unicorner 
And this, like, keep in mind, is four and a half years ago. Um, So, like, eight different lifetimes ago. And this woman could smoke. It was wild. Just, like, joints, another program, joint, another program. Meanwhile, I'm not even smoking anything. And I'm just contact high. You're cracking me up. But the point is, is like, I've seen you go through so many iterations with your relationship to cannabis and alcohol and food and consumption. And I battled with disordered eating. I've battled with addiction to alcohol. I've come to a place in my life where I have a relationship with alcohol. It's not always healthy, but it's mostly. And so I really just wanted to have this conversation really vulnerably about how you arrived, first of all, we can take it back to like how you arrived to becoming a health coach. Cause I think that was the first step in to the trajectory that you're now in. And I know it's come just so full circle knowing you were a health coach who cooked for a recovery home yeah. and you've gone into AA and you've done completely no drinking, total sobriety. And I want to know where you've landed with it today and share yeah. that with the people. Oh God, what a journey. What a journey. What a journey. What a fucking journey I have been on. Um, God. Okay. So like, I guess we, we pull it back to how I even ended up as a holistic health coach. So I worked in corporate America. I went to school, um, went to college, Indiana University, big 10 school, partied a lot, drank a lot, blacked out a lot, thought that was normal. I feel like we grew up in a culture that really has normalized drinking and blacking out. It's almost glamorized in a lot of ways. And especially our age group. Yeah. I'm so proud of these new this new generation who thinks alcohol is like not cool. Yeah. And we grew, not up how with, we grew up with tabloids also. So you remember like they had young celebrities out at the club partying and you were like, I have to go to the club. Like I gotta go to One Oak tonight or where wherever it was a million years ago. With in your New little City. digital camera. With yeah. your little pink digital camera <laughs> exactly. like Paris Hilton. Yes. So I had like that life, went to college for event planning graduated school, became an event planner and personal assistant to professional athletes. Really cool trajectory. Thought that was my path. And um, slowly I went through an awakening process. It began with, I needed to have reconstructive jaw surgery. And that goes back to high school. I had um, jaw issues. I needed to have a series of three surgeries. So at a young age, I was put on medication for that. I I guess I should bring that in. I was put on Vicodin, painkillers, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, you name it. And on top of that, I was prescribed to Adderall for ABD starting in ninth grade. So I had a history of pharmaceuticals, went off to college, really connected with the bottle. And then found myself in New York, partying, living this cool lifestyle, going to clubs, working out of, where, where did I work? Sunday working at a mimosas, talent agency. Yeah. Sunday mimosas, Sunday football. And slowly but surely, I started getting this, what I understand now to be a message, a, a download, a channeled inner knowing, however you want to call it, an intuitive hit that I was here to help people heal. And I had no idea what that meant. 
like, what does that mean? I'm here to help people heal. I don't, I don't understand. And I had been through some health stuff as well. And at this point, I kind of took a leap of faith and left a corporate job. There was a foot out the door moment. I broke my foot. My broken foot took me on a leave of absence from work on the leave of absence. I Which, by in- the way, you just told me a story about this broken foot and like the about the bowling. The, the guy took her on a date. Oh. Remember the guy? <laughs> Sorry, pa- pause oh for a little God. laughter. I don't. I don't think we need to go into the whole tangent, but like, I'll just give you the cliff notes. Lauren breaks foot dancing. I broke my foot at a bat drunkenly mitzvah. at a bat mitzvah <laughs> dancing as an adult. She then <laughs> proceeds to go home, calls Tinder date boyfriend from the day or two before to help her. This guy had taken her to a bowling alley, you guys, like one of those cool ones, but to a bowling alley to drink a martini, not even to bowl. Yeah, this uh, you guys, this is a true story, and. Uh, <laughs> I and then she calls him to pick her up <laughs> drunk and take her to the ER. <laughs> I wish I had the time to tell the story of the date to the bowling alley because truth be told, I was so excited that he told me we were going to get martinis and then was actually taking me bowling. I was like, wow, this guy's so cool. He gets me. I love an activity. And then he actually simply wanted to have martinis at the bar in the bowling alley. And we weren't bowling. Um, yeah. So she so you broke her foot. So I broke my foot out about mitzvah. Long story short, went on a leave of absence from work. And in that time, I enrolled in school to be a holistic health coach. There's so much more to this. Prior to that, I started a food blog. Um and that food blog became what was called Hint of Greens. That became my first company. So I left the job enrolled in school to be a holistic health coach, but also it was like, okay, how am I going to make money? What am I going to do? I'm great. I'm collecting unemployment, but what's next? What like, okay, I'm here to help people heal. What do I do? And all of a sudden opportunities started to arrive for me. The breadcrumbs of my life started showing up and I could recognize them. And the first was I had a friend in recovery in AA. Her boyfriend had three friends that just opened a high-end recovery home in New York City. That was their goal. And they were looking for a chef. They needed a female energy. It was three men. And he said, I think you should go meet with them. And I said, well, like, dude, I'm not really a chef. I I just started cooking. I'm really good at making reservations, but I don't know about recipes. (laughs) And he was like, just go meet with them. I ended up getting the job. It was part-time to start. I think I was cooking for three people at the beginning. Um, And then I also got a job nannying. So I, by day I was a chef by afternoon, I was a nanny. It was this great journey I was going on because even spending time with these kids who are now like graduating high school and in college, which is crazy. Um, I was healing my inner child without even knowing. And I was refining myself. So I was refining myself through cooking in the kitchen and also spending time with these kids. It was helping me heal parts of me I didn't know needed healing. So from there, the uh, recovery house grew from three people, one location to three locations. I was cooking for 30 people a day. 
a competitor opened in New York city and scoped me out and, uh, gave me an opportunity to work with them as both a chef and health coach. So at this point now I had finished my program as a holistic health coach and knew it was a good opportunity, felt aligned and took it. So I started working with clients specifically dealing with food addiction, um, as a health coach and also a chef for that recovery home. So that's how I got started there. Um, from there as a chef, I grew to having a meal delivery service that was called hungry NYC. I was feeding, um, just all different people in New York city from editors and publishers at Conde Nast to Rockettes, fitness instructors, Fortune 500 companies, all different people. It was amazing. And it grew to be big uh, and big because I was doing it out of my studio apartment in New York City. The person I was supposed to go into this business with bailed and I found myself running a business from home, shopping for the food, making the menu plans, delivering the meals, cooking the meals every day, five days a week. And it got to the point I was making 50 meals a day out of my apartment and the board of health called to uh, find out what was going on. I don't know. I probably never told you about this. No, why did the board of health call? So the board of health calls because they were like, got a tip that I was making meals out of my home and that's illegal in New York city. Like you can't sell meals from your home, whatever. I I don't know. Because New York city apartments are disgusting. Yeah. Not that you're disgusting, but I'm sorry. New York city is just (laughs) gross. So it's crazy (laughs) because I was living in a studio apartment. So I had a half size stove and oven. Like it was like everything thing was mini in my kitchen. <laughs> That's why I can't even comprehend that you could make 50 no, meals. Like, literally I would have to make one insane. meal for my toddler in New York and that was hard enough. It was, <laughs> I don't, what I understand now is that it was so much bigger than me and spirit was yeah. helping me move through all of it. Like, it was so much bigger than me. So I had, I had to clean my apartment one day the board of health came and I'm sharing this because it was so funny. The girl walks into my apartment and into my kitchen and again, tiny studio and calls her boss and says, there's no way this girl is making 50 meals or anything out of this apartment. Her, her <laughs> kitchen's the size of our cubicles. <laughs> I ended up then going into a kitchen. Yeah, it was insane. I have no idea how I was doing it. I'm a generator. I got shit done. But I ended up moving into a kitchen of a friend's restaurant, um, Bounce, in New York City, and cooking out of there for a little while. Um, Enrolled in a program to make this a really big business, and that's um, when my best friend died. And when my best friend Jeff died, of course, you know about this. I've talked about this before, so if you're hearing this story again, bear with me if it's new. Here you go. Um, when my best friend died, he awakened me to my mediumship. Within hours of his passing away, my gifts started coming through. I could recognize him talking to me, and that led me on the path to finding Holy Fire Reiki, um, moving out to California, becoming a spiritual advisor to a cannabis brand, and then eventually moving to Miami on a whim, um, (laughs) which started with making gummy bears and ended with me um, building a six-figure business, helping people heal, because that is indeed the whisper that I got in the first place and what I'm here to do. 
So it's so interesting because your entire, you know, first of all, I really admire the way that you followed the breadcrumbs and like just picked them up and like kept trying different versions of yourself. And I think that like that in and of itself could be a whole book, like follow the breadcrumbs, because I think that's, you know, when we talk about reinvention or transformation or changing your career, changing your life and your lifestyle, it's not always one big giant decision that's super conscious. It's listening to those intuitive hits and and saying like, huh, like just allowing yourself to redirect, like your foot broke, you were on an, you could take the unemployment, like a perfect opportunity to like do something you might be interested in, even, even though you don't know what that could look like, or you don't know how financially stable it is. It's like, well, you know what, this is like not the safest decision, but I have a moment for it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I think like that can be a whole conversation in and of itself. And then the, but what I really want to talk about is it's so interesting because you landed in this space where you are helping heal people's relationship with food addiction and you were working in a rehabilitation house for drug and drug and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Recovery house for drug and drug, alcohol. alcohol, sex, food, failure to launch. Um, all I, I've literally seen it all. It's the best. But then it, simultaneously, you never even recognized you had any issue with like alcohol or, or cannabis or drugs. And then, and then you went to the opposite when you went to the West Coast to California, and you actually worked in the cannabis industry where it was totally normalized, and you know expected, especially in the cannabis space, that people consume a lot of cannabis. And while I think cannabis is amazing, not for myself to partake in, maybe CBD, um, I, you know, I see it like the, the overuse of it. So it's, it's just, it's really, it's so interesting how it's always there right in front of us. And we're like, we're like moths to a flame. Like we can't resist, you know, we just, especially as healers, especially as empaths, especially as people that are called to work with other people, it usually starts with a wound that you have to heal yourself. I'm very much in that space right now. I'm like, you know, my relationship with getting colds and getting sick lately, and I got a concussion a few months ago, and I just, it feels like I can't catch a break, but there's habits and things in my life that although it might be normal to other people, like, my body, my soul is calling me to go above and beyond what's normal yeah. in for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And so my discipline has to, around movement has to amp up. Um, my discipline around what I eat has to ramp up. I've never had discipline around my food. My discipline around what I consume with beverages, alcohol, tobacco, like nicotine, all these things, it has to be different than everyone else's. That's just my body and my soul. And I know you dealt with that of like last year of what's good for you and really owning that. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll come back to my, my journey with sobriety, because I think that's the best word I can land on now because I've had such a journey with it. And I guess you did ask me that before. So peeling it back, as I was saying, I I drank a lot in college um, I drank a lot after college and I drank a lot like up until Jeff died and a little bit after. And then it was when I moved to LA that my relationship with alcohol started to change. I knew when I drank 
that something didn't feel good anymore. Like physically in my body, something I'd get this noise that my body would make. I'd get really um, congested in my chest and I'd feel like I had to throw up like every time I drank. Um, now I realize it's because I'm a channel and, and I was blocking what was trying to come up for me, which were my gifts. So when I moved to LA, I kind of stopped drinking because I was in the cannabis community and I had always been a consumer of cannabis since I was, uh, I believe a sophomore, freshman or sophomore in high school, I started smoking weed and I did it, um, I did it a the first time with my friends, like to try weed, but then I did it, um, over the years to balance out the Adderall that I was taking because I had, I had to take medicine for my ADD and be focused all day. And then I couldn't eat at night. So it became this thing that helped me come off my medicine and eat. So I really normalized cannabis in my life in a way that it was a part of my everyday life for a really long time. Um, so when I moved out to California, it was really nice that other people lived that way, that cannabis was that forward thing and alcohol fell pretty much to the wayside. When I moved to Miami, um, in 2017, I believe it was, that's when I, no, not 2017, 2018. Um, that's when I gave up alcohol. It was, so four years ago, February, I gave up alcohol. It was not really planned, but I had a drink and felt a spirit come through to me. I was sitting in a bar and there was an old man across the bar and I just fell in love with him. I was like, Oh my God, I love this man so much. The, the energy that I felt towards him was so strong. And he left the bar about 10 minutes later. And I heard this whisper. Um, that was his wife that had passed away saying she loved him. And in that moment, I asked myself is, do you want to live this way? Do you want to drink and have this experience? And the answer at that time was no. So I simply stopped drinking and it wasn't so much about being an alcoholic or anything. It was simply this, this doesn't align with me right now. Um, and then a few months later, the same thing happened with cannabis. I got a download to give it up for 33 days and I'd understand why I gave it up for the 33 and it led me to my next mentor who I worked with. Um, his name's Christopher. Oh my God. I um, forgot. I forgot about the 33. Mm-hmm, yeah. 33 so days. It led me to, to my next teacher. And I'm so grateful. And from there, I gave up cannabis for three and a half years, two and a half years. Um, after that, after those two and a half years, it came back into my life. Combo came into my life. I sat with medicine again. Um, I had worked with Bufo a few years prior, which I think partially led to my giving up alcohol also. Sorry. I, there's, there's so much I'm all over. There's with so many story. layers. There's just so okay, many so layers. I wanna- Let's talk about a little bit about Cambo because I personally have actually never done Cambo. So I'm really interested to have like a little bit more nuanced conversation. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are not as familiar with Cambo as they are LSD or cannabis or whatever, all the other psychedelics as mm-hmm. well. So what is Cambo? How is it administered? And why would that, it have given you that revelation? Because from what I understand it, it's a detoxification pro- process, right? 
Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about it. There are two frogs. There's the Bufo medicine and the Cambo also. So I worked with Bufo first. That was before I gave up alcohol and cannabis in the first place. That medicine is administered through smoking. So they take the secretions of the frog and turn it into like a substance. And then you smoke that substance with combo, how it's applied, it's topical. So they do little burns. I had it on my left shoulder. So they create a little burn on your arm and then apply the medicine, the the secretion right onto the arm physically. So one is topical, one is a smoke substance. And the Bufo, the smoke substance is, gives you hallucinations, right? So I think for some people, yes, quite possibly. For me, that was not my experience. My experience and my experience in general, I'm not a super visual person in meditations Mm -hmm. with psychedelics. I'm not a very visual person. Um, I'm really clairsentient and really clairaudient. So I hear and feel so much when I'm working with medicine. So for me, it was kind of, I was lifted out of my body to this beautiful healing place and then returned back. Um, but it's, but it wasn't, um, super visual for me. And so when you did the, the Bufo was the first time, right? So when you did the Bufo, that was before you had quit drinking, right? And mm-hmm. then I did the Bufo three point? times over, um, a four month period. I was guided to it three times and about two months after the third time is when I completely stopped drinking alcohol. And six months after I stopped consuming cannabis. And the thing is, it is known to help people heal from from addiction. addiction. So I can't say if that healed me from addiction or didn't heal me from addiction, but I do know it supported me on the journey to no longer even wanting to use the word addict um, about myself in any way. Yeah. And it's, it's another one of those things where you followed the breadcrumbs. You just followed Mm -hmm. the inspiration of like, I don't feel like my body wants this or needs this or has a taste for it. Or, and I don't desire the way my life is when I'm consuming it. So like, let's just let that go. And it was a beautiful, it sounds like the medicine helped you, helped give you that guidance and that push, you know? Absolutely. I mean, after I sat with medicine is also when I really built my business, when I really Mm -hmm. sat down and created my business in the way that it has blossomed. And I think it had so much to do with that too. I'm actually, it's been five, almost five years since I sat with, with, um, Bufo for the first time. And I've been getting messages for about six months that I should sit with it again. And it became clear to me last week that that's where the message was going. For the last six months, it's been detox, 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 detox your body. So that's what I've been focused on is really cleaning, similar to how you said, really getting into my workouts. What workouts am I doing? What feels the best to my body? How do I want to move my body? How do I want to feed my body? What is working the best for me right now? Like getting myself into that optimal shape. Um, because there's something happening and I don't know what it is, but I want to be ready. 
Yes, exactly. So it's so we it's so funny because you're like, I've been getting the signs. So at some so here's how it went in my perspective. You did the bufo three times, you officially quit drinking, you were and smoking cannabis, you were completely sober for like two and a half years, right? You had alcohol was long before, but then you added cannabis in and it was like a good long run. And so much happened in our friendship circle and our relationships and in your business, amazing things. And yet simultaneously, there was a huge sense of control in other ways of control of like, you were utilizing the sobriety to really be in control of so many situations. And, um, and even with that, it's like you then blurred your own boundaries to, to support your relationships, to be like liked and loved. And that was something that like we experienced together in our dynamic with me and you and Sloan. If anybody's listening to, we had like basically an Instagram show, the three of us. If you recall a few years ago, we were inseparable. And so in that, like Sloan and I do a lot of similar things. Whereas Lauren, like it's just same thing with this conversation about like what's healthy for other people isn't healthy for Lauren, right? And so there was times where you would do things that we were doing and just say yes to it so that you could be a part of it. When in reality, like it wasn't for your highest good and you didn't even fucking want to do it. And so then I think, and you started to explore during that same exact time period, you started to explore your relationship with cannabis again and like partaking it in, maybe even questioning drinking again. And like, what did that mean? And I feel like it was such a combination of like, you hadn't claimed your self-worth to say, no, this is who I am. And I don't really care if it's not, it doesn't look cool to you or fun to you. Like, this is who I am. And you didn't have it. And because you didn't have that, you didn't have swagger about it. So there was just this element of control and energy, like when we were all together and which created separateness. It was like the exact opposite of what you wanted. Right. And, um, and it's interesting. So I just, I'm curious, like as you were experiencing that, and as you came out of that, what did it look like claiming your self-worth and what did the words addiction and sobriety, how did they start to change? Because I feel like that was also part of that black and white thinking. When we get into a space into a space of all or nothing, there's part of ourself that we lose because we've given our power away to, to saying no, or we've given our power away to saying yes. Right. And so it's amazing. Like you were totally sober. You should have been totally in your body yet. When you were, I think like peak sobriety, you were not in full control and didn't even have your swagger about it, you know? And like now you have your swagger and like you, you, you have different ways of relating to plant medicine and alcohol now. Yeah. So what was that experience like? So I think I can pull it back, like even going back as far as my childhood. And I read this, actually, I listened because like this is a book you want to listen to. I listened to an incredible book this year. It's called Women Who Love Too Much. And it's about growing up with um, maybe an addict parent or codependent parents. And I had addiction in my lineage as well as codependency. 
And it's something I didn't really realize was there. I didn't realize the elements of control because I also grew up in a really loving household and nothing ever was chaotic because everything was really controlled. So what I grew up and now I understand is I grew up with a lot of black and white. So I steered in so much of my life too black and white. Like I'm either touching the hot stove or, um, or like, don't talk to me. Right. Like I'm, I'm it's doing funny you're wearing thing. a black and white shirt right now. Well, it's Navy, but yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It looks like from but, here. It looks black but, and white. That's yeah, funny. I, okay, yeah. good. It's Navy. Yeah. It's Navy. In your color it's wheel. Navy. There's some blue. Yeah. It's in my field. Um, so I grew up with so much black and white that that's what I liked. I loved the duality and I didn't even realize, I didn't even know what the fucking term duality meant, but I loved duality. I liked to sway to both sides and really feel the difference. I think so many of us do, right? We just like love to well, feel there's the tension parallel. There. Yeah. Like, cause you're feeling something. When so, we like to like, it's, it feels really good to like overconsume, but then you're like, oh, that was too much. And then you like, don't refrain from having any and you're like take pleasure in like the refrain you know totally. like right or whatever it is and then you're like well now I need a little taste of toxicity mm-hmm. yeah so I think in all areas of my life even as a, a child before drugs and alcohol I was doing that with food like food was the first thing that I can control well I'm not going to eat today or I'm going to only eat this or I'm going to eat all of this right it, I never I never felt I had a like a eating disorder a, a technical termed eating disorder, what I did have was disordered eating. And I realized that that's just been the common thread. I always had control around it because I grew up learning how to control, but I was controlled chaos. So from food, eventually that's what I was doing with alcohol. And then I was doing it with plant medicine. So when I got sober... It was like I went from being the chaotic black side to being this, this like, ooh, I'm angelic and it's a white side and I'm sober and I am good and all things good fit into this category. And what's interesting is- And I was being real bad over there. Trust me. <laughs> I was interesting- <laughs> I was in the dark side. <laughs> what's interesting is- I didn't, the first 11 months that I gave up alcohol, I didn't go to meetings. Like it was very much, I've made a decision, that's it. And then I had a mentor recommend to me to go to some meetings that there may be something for me to learn there. And I, on, on his recommendation, I was like, okay, like, cool. I'll try that. Like, sounds like a good activity. So I started going to some meetings and what I noticed was how black and white it was. And it didn't fully vibe with me. I didn't understand the idea of going and talking about the same stories over and over again when in repeating those stories, you're retelling them to your mind and still living there. And that didn't make sense to me as someone who's doing subconscious work and mindset work and energy work and all this healing work to take out old programming. Why am I going to continue to repeat the story every time. So over this last year, what really came up for me is every time I say, hi, I'm Lauren, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Lauren, I'm an addict or whatever it would have been. Cancel, clear, delete. Um, Whatever that would have been, I'm now telling myself that that's what I am. 
that makes no fucking sense. That actually makes no sense. The only thing I should be telling myself is I am love. I am light. I am abundant. I am happy, right? Like all the things and the programming I want, not I am this this disease, okay. like, right. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to claim that I'm, I'm in disease. So what's happened as I've let go of the black and white of it is I've found the shades of gray. I've found acceptance. I've, I've always been in a place where I've never known if I would or wouldn't drink again. I didn't know if I would or wouldn't consume cannabis again, or if I'd work with medicine again, or what it would be. And I started getting really harsh about it for a few months. Like, no, I'm never doing anything again. And that's when I was like, oh, we need to look at that. And that's when I came full circle to, okay, I don't want to claim these titles anymore. I'm not, I don't want to own these titles anymore. I'm ready to let go of it. I'm complete on this healing cycle. And what's really beautiful is at the same time, I've been writing a book. I've been writing my first book. And this first book, thank you. This first book is about healing yourself through food. It's about healing your relationship with your intuition. And as I close the chapter on healing that for myself, because as I said, like all of the black and white for me started with food. As I close that door for myself, I've finished the chapter on that part of my life and can live in this beautiful dance of, I get to choose what I want because my thoughts are sober and it has nothing to do with sobriety as a technical term as in recovery, but sobriety in my thoughts are sober. I can trust myself. I hear myself. I love myself. And I'm never going to take any of that away from me. Yeah, it's beautiful. And sobriety sounds more like it means to you connection to yourself rather than um, lack of trust over yourself, right? Like giving your power away and then you are like, like, uh, arrested to the terminology or like arrested to a disease. I think so many people will resonate with that because I think it's just kind of like, like an antidepressant. I think that there are times when people have acute depression and they are having suicidal ideation and that pill might save their life for a few months. Mm-hmm. And just like uh, AA and NA, I think there's a time where you can claim that title and claiming that title is a fucking rescue boat. You know, going to those meetings are literally what stopped those people from drinking themselves to death or for overdosing. Sure. And then I think in a more modern holistic approach, you have to get to a point where you say, okay, Now, where is it that I want to go and who do I want to become and what tools do I need to get me there? What is the next raft or the next boat, right? To get you to your next destination. And I think it's so beautiful that, cause I witnessed that and I was like, okay, you're trying on addiction for a while. Like you're going to AA meetings. And I was like, I thought we didn't believe in addiction over here, but like we as in, I thought you'd told me you didn't. So I was just watching it, but I was always open to it because it just was interesting to me. In fact, I have gone to an AA meeting, only one. My next door neighbor, he was a therapist, and he said to me, uh, would any of these things in your life happen if you didn't drink? And I was like, well, 
No, like losing my keys, losing my purse, losing my phone every night. No, none of those things would happen if I was sober. He was like, you just might want to think about it. Like I'll bring you to a meeting. So we went and I recognized, I was like, oh, everyone is here because if they weren't here, they would be drinking right now or like today. I was like, okay, I just really need to change my habits and my priorities for sure. And then go there every day. That's when I started cycling 30 to 60 miles a day. Cause I had somewhere, to, and then I had somewhere to be. I was like, I cycle every day at 5 a.m. I don't have time to drink. So yeah. it changed everything. But I really respect it. I think it's necessary. It's people's life raft when they need it. And then I think you have to take a more holistic approach and recognizing you are programming that into your subconscious with that language. Absolutely. And just to be clear, I think AA is amazing. I totally think it's an amazing program. And I think so much is we're, even as a, as a coach, the work that I do, I'm kind of coaching you through the steps. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. the steps. I'm not using the same language, but so much of it is the same. It's it's just a, a journey to healing. It's a journey to connecting with God. It's a con- journey to connecting to a higher power. That's what AA was. So I think for me, that's the thing that I got out of it the most. You know, the first time I entered a room and looked at the 12 steps, I don't know the steps by heart, but the first time I looked at the steps, I was like, wow, I found the 12th step first. And the 12th step is all about, you have found a connection to God and believe that like, there's nothing bigger than that connection or that's terrible language for it. But nonetheless, I found the 12th step first before I found a willingness to admit that I even had a problem because I didn't know that I had any sort of problem. I just found that step first through my best friend's death. So I think that that's you know, okay, wait, I, got the, I pulled it up. I pulled it up. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yeah. It was a, that's a really weirdly worded statement anyways. Yeah. So the, um, the having whole had is- a spiritual awakening via the steps. And so it's like you arrived at that spiritual awakening. That was like your first entry mm-hmm. into this. Yeah. So I thought in that, like I was confused. Well, I already found step 12. How do I go backwards now and do it this way? And that's actually what I did over the last year was let me actually go through the steps to understand this process. Um, so I think, I think it's beautiful. I think the steps are beautiful. I think it's also really beautiful to mix it with some holistic work, to mix it with something outside of talk therapy even, because talk therapy is, again, repeating the same conversations potentially that you're also having in the meetings. So I would love to see the addition of mindset work and how can that help shift Something I also noticed in the rooms the last time I was there is how people are snacking pretty often the whole time. And often when you have an addiction to alcohol or drugs, you then substitute it with sugar after. And this is something I, of course, saw working as a chef in recovery as well. It was a sugar-free... Yeah, because your gut biome is so fucked up. Plus, yeah. so you're craving it. Exactly. Plus, you just like need a habit. Like It's... Also, in, in uh, addiction, it's a lot of smoking. Like people switch; they either were 
cigarette smokers or they switch to smoking. Yeah. And that's so another. It's, so it's interesting to, for me to come so full circle because when I was working in recovery, I was still smoking weed. There were days where I smoked weed before I'd go in and cook. Um, I was the only person in the entire staff that some, for some reason wasn't drug tested. It was as though I was, I was getting away with my own lies to myself. So it's really beautiful to be in this full circle place of having a sober mind and having awareness and being so happy and fulfilled and content in my life. Yeah. Having choice. And having choice and not feeling a need to control my actions and simply act because it feels good. Totally. Um, I want to getting towards the end, but I just want to, you know, give people an understanding, like it's wild. Like the, what's interesting about your story about AA is that your story about AA, we could like literally apply to Holy Fire Reiki. We could literally apply to your work with body work, your Kundalini journey that you just went on. You're like literally Kundalini yoga certified. Um, you are NLP certified. Like you have probably seven to 10 certifications in, in these different bodies of work. And what I think is so beautiful about you is you go in and you study these bodies of work and you focus wholly on them. And then you take the pieces with you that serve not just you and your values or your, you know, judgment. It's not like that. You take the pieces that are true, that are constants, that are conscious truths that will stand the test of time. And you bring those tools with you to the next and you blend this beautiful, um, all these beautiful bodies of work together and you pull from like the, I want to say like the, what's it called when you have a medicine, you pull from like the medicine cabinet for each of your clients. I hear Biggie. Right yeah. Sorry. Um, you, <laughs> it's okay. Puppy mom um, life. You get to, puppy mom life. But you get to pull, what's so amazing about Lauren is like, and the work that you do is like you pull all of this together out of the medicine cabinet and you've done the work to go deep into each of these spaces. Like if I were to take each of these courses, I would like skim the cliff notes and I'd remember like one liners and that's about all you get. Like I just, I, I admire the depth that you can go into and finding the universal truths and pull them out and place them in your medicine cabinet and do the work you do for your clients. It's incredible. Thank you. Um, and I know you're welcome. And we're excited for your book. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how the food is going to relate to certain things or is that under wraps still? Um, I can't say too much because I'm just going out right now to um, be pitched to agents and publishers. Exciting. So I'm kind of keeping under wraps, but there is a prequel to the book. And the prequel to the book is Glow Up Your Chakras, which is my sound healing program that also talks about how to eat for your chakras with food lists there and um, some other goodies. So this is essentially 
taking my glow up your chakras sound healing journal prompt program and bringing it to the next level, which is now that we've healed ourselves with sound, we've taken some time in our unconscious mind, resting the body, coming to homeostasis within us. Now, how can we go into the kitchen and cook for our chakras? So it's um, a chakra healing cookbook um, is essentially what it's about, but I won't give too much away on what's actually inside. Awesome. We're so excited for that. We've been, t- you, you've been talking about a chakra cookbook for like, since the day I met you girl. Yeah. I mean, I've seen myself writing this cookbook for, for years and it's simply now, now is time. Now is the time because I needed to get all the other tools that I've gotten because all those tools are also a part of this book. And I love how you say it the way you say it. Cause I'm a, I'm a three, five in human design, a martyr heretic. So that's literally my purpose. And my belief, my truest core belief is what we heal within ourselves, we can heal in others. So I'm constantly going in and doing work to unlock parts of me because then simply by stepping in any room and holding that vibration of that door open and free, anyone who steps in the room that wants to walk through that door has the opportunity to also walk through the door simply because I'm holding that vibration for the collective. Absolutely. And like my favorite phrase right now is when one woman heals herself, she heals the world. And it's like, she heals others. Like she stands in the gap. Like it is an absolute reflection when one woman or man person does the work that it absolutely will transmute for others. And that some people have that special gift where it's their calling. And you are one of those people, Lauren. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Um, last Thank question, you. what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? Oh God. I mean, it means so much to me because I've gotten to see you glow up. Oh, I've gotten to see so- you truly rebelliously reinvent yourself to this place where this has become your podcast. So to me, rebellious reinvention means I get to do it all and I get to have it all and I get to do it my way. Yes. That's so beautiful. Thank you for that. I love you so much. Yeah. I'm so, I love you. It's been like, I think we've been talking about this for a good three years and the moment has arrived. Your book is arriving. The podcast is here. There are some juicy things happening for both of us this year. So you guys, we're going to add all the links in the show notes to how you can stay in touch with Lauren and She has so many beautiful offers at every price point. So make sure you get on her newsletter and follow her journey and stay tuned for the book because it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, stay tuned for the book. And I should mention, because in in alignment with the book, I am starting to take on and have been working as a health coach again. So I am taking health coaching clients on where we mix together all the energy healing and some medical mediumship to figure out what's going on with your body. So beautiful. It's good times over here. Amazing. Thank you, Lauren. Love you. Thank you. Love you too. Every week, we have a reoccurring segment, and I share my favorite things. That's tangible products to use, things to walk away with above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Category, think. What if it all wasn't black and white? What if we were in the gray with what we learn? So often, we have a black and white or all or nothing mentality. I am absolutely guilty of this as well. But it's when we begin to understand our desires and the root of what drives them 
that we can surrender to them versus having them command over us. It's not about control, but connection to self and source trauma and surrender. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Lauren around just that today. Read Women Who Love Too Much by Robin Norwood. This is a number one New York Times bestseller that asks, are you a woman who loves too much? This could be applied, I might add, to any relationship, not just romantic. So if you suffer from lack of self-worth or boundaries, this book is a really great read, you guys. She asks questions like, or here's some signs, right? Do you ever find yourself attracted again and again to troubled, distant, moody partners? Like the nice guy seems boring. Do you obsess over men or partners who are unavailable, addicted to work, hobbies, alcohol, or other people? Do you neglect your friends or your own interests to be immediately available for them? I was like totally guilty of that. Do you, back in the day, do you feel empty without him even though being with him is torment? Robin Norwood's groundbreaking work will enable you to recognize the roots of your destructive patterns of relating, and it'll provide you with a step-by-step guide to a more rewarding way of living and loving. If being in love means being in pain, then you need to read Women Who Love Too Much. Do, lastly, get on Lauren's email list, you guys. She not only is coming out with the book soon, um, but she has so many ways to work with her. She's known for her chakra courses. She has Glow Up Your Chakras um, a health course, which is coming soon as well. It's going to be the prequel to her book. She has like glow up your business, glow up your life, like anything you can imagine. She has amazing sound baths. So I'm going to leave the links to one of her or a few of her freebies here and a way to get on her email list. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe and share. And if you're feeling extra generous, write a review. I read every one of my reviews and I'm thinking of beginning. No, I am. I'm not thinking. I am. I've decided to add in my favorite things, reading one of your reviews every week. And so what I would ask for you to do is not only tell me what you think of the show, but define what rebellious reinvention means to you. I want to hear from you, your interpretation of that phrase, because it means so much to me when people interpret it and relate to it. So what does it mean to you? Write that in the review and I will be sharing it weekly. Signing off rebelliously and relentlessly. Don't forget to question everything. Love you. Have a great day.